G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Happy long weekend to all the WA listeners. I'm back recapping two more preseason games from an AFL fantasy perspective. There are a lot of takeaways from the Bombers, Cats and Dockers power game. A couple of injury concerns to some big names as well that might affect some coaches out there in their thinking. A couple of big scores that uh, should see some ownership percentages spike and a couple of duds that'll see them dip as well. So let's not waste time. Here we go. Starting with the Dons and the Cats. Pretty interesting game, actually. Geelong got the dub in the end, kind of yo-yoed at times. But the big fantasy takeaway from this game was the form of Nick Martin. The bloke kicked two goals, had 28 touches, 11 marks, and a game-high score of 120. Now, he's someone that I haven't really considered starting with in my M8 position. Uh, There's a couple of other midfielders who I'd prefer to have. But at this point, it seems like Martin is going to be a lock for defender status when DPP is coming in round seven. He's priced at a break even at 85. He should get that quite easily. I reckon he can put 10, 15 points on that. So maybe he will emerge as a popular starter pick. He's in the mid to high 700. So priced in a similar bracket as some of your Matt Crouches, a couple of those type of characters. And he might actually start to see, again, his ownership spike because there'll be a lot of coaches who loved his role. He did line up in the back line enough for the DPP to come through, but he was racking them up all over the ground, 560 metres gained. So he was, as I said, the game's highest scorer. A couple of the other Don's big names like Darcy Parrish and Zach Merritt did their thing, getting plenty of touches. Darcy Parrish with 34 disposals, a game high. Bales and I talked about him in a head-to-head episode last week and he is someone that I had in my team last year haven't really considered starting with him but I think both Merritt and Parrish will start out of my team to begin the year but they should both go on to average 105 plus Andy McGrath troubled coaches from a season ago will be scarred seeing him put up a good score we cannot I think jump back on him but he's someone to consider for one of your three on-field draft spots if you've got a basic draft platform and setup. Will Setterfield was the other bloke who cracked a ton from a fantasy perspective. Someone else, again, who was popular last year, but I don't think that any of uh, the coaches out there will be looking at Setterfield as a classic starter. Someone to consider as a sleeper in draft. The top scorer for the Cats was Max Holmes. He had 88, but only 65% time on ground. He went off, put ice on his ankle or knee. I think it was his ankle from memory, just precautionary, nothing to worry about. But he was thriving running off the half-back line. He actually led the game uh, in metres gained, which is saying something considering uh, Nick Martin was flourishing. So Holmesy, he's tricky to try and pick as a fantasy player. I've been in on him for a few years, waiting for a breakout to happen. If you've listened to the Sports Pod all preseason, you've heard his name talked about a couple of times. He's priced at 685. He does have, uh, doesn't have one of those early buys. He is quite a unique pod, so... Seems like Geelong want him thriving off that half-back line, giving them a bit of drive, but also pinch hitting in the middle of the ground as well. And as I've said a few times, they're transitioning into a new era at Geelong. There's the Dangerfields, Selwoods, Hawkins of the world are starting to get in the twilight of their career or have already retired. So that does open up some opportunity around the ground for other Geelong players. As a midfielder, Holmes, he saw eight centre bounces. So he was getting a pretty nice mixture of off the half back line and in the midfield. So he's someone that could be a very unique pod and tempt some coaches. Only a few points worse than him was Elijah Sardis, who I've had in my team a few times this preseason. He's been chopped because I wasn't sure if he was going to make best 22, kind of playing on a wing and half forward role. 
He is definitely someone at 476K off the dome. I actually don't know that for a fact. Let me double check. 476. Yeah, I could get a job doing this. Tell you what. He's, uh, his score was pretty impressive. His role, we don't love those outside type players, but I think that there's some merit in potentially targeting Sardis given how cheap he is. As I roll through a couple of the other scorers, Jordan Ridley managed to chalk up 74 points, 18 disposals, 14 kicks in just 57% of game time, but did injure his quad, which is alarming from a couple of standpoints. It may have a bit of a ripple effect at Essendon. We may see someone like a Nick Martin have to play a bit more defensive because they're missing another intercept marker in Jordan Ridley. It may force them to rethink their structure slightly. Maybe they try and bring in another tall interceptor. But it's a bit of a bummer to see him suffer a quad injury because he's someone that uh, a lot of coaches love to pick up in draft. A couple of points worse than him was Jezza Cam, another solid draft pick. And as I roll down and we get into the 60-point scorers, there's a pair of rookies for each side who are, I think we're going to garner a lot of fantasy attention. The first one's Jai Clark. From a centre bounce perspective, he actually led the Cats with 18 CBAs, uh, behind Reece, uh, 16 rather, behind Reese Stanley. And looks, had a bit of an almost first half. I was watching him quite intently. He didn't really rack up the points. There was a couple of moments where I saw him kind of fumble a mark or there were a few things. The ball didn't really bounce his way, et cetera, et cetera. And that led to him not exactly bursting out of the gates. He had about 29 points at halftime, but then went bang in the third quarter with a 26-point third quarter and didn't really tackle his way to a massive score either, which I expect Jai Clark to do each week. So 68 is what he's finished on. I think he's a fine bench pick and someone who might take up residency in my midfield bench as well. Zach Reed was the other one from the Dons, scored a 67 and kind of went missing at times from my perspective, but he is a key defender. So I don't know if uh, there's a lot of guys out there like him who are thriving in a lot of fantasy contexts, but 253K, there's not a lot of reliable defensive rookies. So if we can see Zach Reed come out and score a 67 in the preseason, that'll undoubtedly see his ownership percentage increase. It's just under about 7% now but it might provide us with someone that can help uh, alleviate the stress in those early buyers. If you're looking at a Zach Williams or a Nick Dacos or Jaden Short, Kitty Coleman, maybe Reed is the player that we can plug onto our field and hope that he can get to a, a 60-ish score uh, more often than not. Tom Stewart had a pretty slow night, only scored 61, but I'm not too concerned about him. As Dane Swan once said, uh, the real stars of the competition don't try in the preseason. Speaking of, Dangerfield only had 38 points. Sean Manor came on late and had 35 from his 27% game time. Does loom as a pretty ideal sub for Geelong. So I don't think I'll be starting with Manor unless he's in their best 22. Uh, and then Ocean Mullen was the other one who came on about half time and racked up 17 points, probably down the pecking order for those defensive rookies, which is saying something because there's not many of them on offer, but yeah, he had some okay moments. I do think that there's a couple of better options that you should target instead. Turning my attention to the Frio and Port Adelaide game, as a Dockers man, woof. This was not a lot of fun to watch uh, Port Adelaide's ascendancy in the third quarter. The Dockers were missing a couple of noteworthy names. You know, guys like Luke Jackson, Jaya Miss, Brennan Cox, even Michael Frederick, you can throw in that mix. Port Adelaide were relatively healthy. They were missing Mitch Georgiatis probably from their best 22. Josh Sin didn't get a call up, which is a bit annoying. I thought he might have been able to be another one of those mid-priced 250, 260K cash cows, but wasn't meant to be. So as a result, Port Adelaide ran away with a dub and uh, Connor Rosie was the star of the show. Would have got three Brownlow votes. Started like a house on fire. Kicked a pretty impressive goal. Had 112 points someone that's been in my side for a long time and will be pretty much locked 
and not moving. A few points better than him was Dan Houston, who might be a nice smoky in your back line as a defensive pod. I think I wrote about earlier uh, this preseason how this could be the year that he finally establishes himself as a near triple figure fantasy defender and he ends up emerging as uh, a bit of a left of field pick again like I said there's not too many coaches investing in him at the moment and inconsistency in the past has steered us away a bit from Dan Houston there's been bigger names that we can trust but Bryce at about 93 he's in two and a half percent of teams I don't know if his performance last night justifies jumping on right away but someone in my starting calculations who wasn't before given his uh, impressive score Hayden Young, he was the top scorer for the Dockers. Kicked two goals, three, if you don't mind. Thriving in the midfield, 26 touches, seven tackles, score of 114. He is a lock down back. Have a lot more confidence in him over Dan Houston. No offense, big bloke. There were a couple of other uh, Port veterans who stepped up and performed well. Ollie Wines and Trav Boak both scored in the mid-90s. Wines in particular is interesting, uh, uh, intriguing for a lot of fantasy coaches. He's priced at a pretty cheap, price point when you consider what type of player he is. $701,000 is all he costs. And he's a Brownlow medalist. He's really fucking good when he's playing in the middle. And I think that that's what Port Adelaide want to do. All signs indicate that he's going to be getting a heavy dose of CBAs. Ken Hinckley's said it, that he's flying this preseason. All of the above. Uh, I do think that Ollie Wines is actually someone who I've probably glossed over quite a bit this preseason because he hasn't been in my thinking but he's definitely a veteran who I think you could target given his consistency uh, as a midfielder. He was pushed out onto a wing and half forward at times last year, which has led to him being priced so cheap, but he actually led Port Adelaide in CBAs last night. And I think that he's someone you should definitely consider Uh, a little bit worse. We had Frio's stars, Caleb Sarong and Andy Brayshaw and 85 and 79 respectively. They did kind of get smoked. uh, Frio did the, 40-point margin in the preseason isn't exactly what you want. So I'm not going to read too much into their scores. Jordan Clark had some nice moments as well. Scored an 81 from his 19 touches. I think that with Hayden Young going into the midfield, he can definitely average 85-plus, best-case scenario. Luke Ryan, another fantasy stalwart who had a quiet-ish night, didn't get a lot of the plus sixes and marks that we're used to seeing. And Jordan Clark might also eat a bit into Luke Ryan's production has been banged up throughout the preseason, which is worth noting. So keep an eye on that. One of the more impressive players visually last night, I thought was Jace Burgoyne. Now he's priced at 463, which is a break even of 51. He might, might actually be a nice D5, D6 option. There's a lot of uncertainty around the cheaper defensive options. I know that some people who have picked Zach Williams are looking for a left of field pivot because he hasn't played proper senior footy now for a while. And Jace Burgoyne came out and had a score of 79, 20 touches, and actually looked pretty impressive doing it. So he is definitely someone that's coming into consideration. Uh, I think (laughs) I've listed off about 18 people who are coming into consideration for my team, but 79 points from just 63% of the game does uh, capture my attention. As I sift through the rest of the scorers, your Jed McEntees and your Jackson Meads are in there. Shout out to Jason Horn Francis for his 91. He benefited uh, from Zach Butters going off. He only had 11 points, so some people will just look at that and be alarmed, but had a slight ankle tweak. I listened to the um, interview with Ken Hinckley. He said if it was a normal game, he'd probably still be out there, but it's really just precautionary. We don't want to take any chances. There's no way he's coming back on the deck, so... It's not ideal preparation for Zach Butters as he rolls into the start of the season, but a very popular pick in classic. I don't think that we should be jumping off just yet. 
He's still in about 26% of teams, and I don't expect that ownership percentage to change dramatically. There are a couple of other stars who didn't play a ton as well. Sam Dars, uh, Sean Darcy, rather, only had 21 points from 40% game time because Frio gave some minutes and opportunity to Liam Reedy, maybe a 200K uh, option if he does come in, should Sean Darcy get hurt. But I think with Luke Jackson back in the fold, there's other guys like your Josh Tracy's, et cetera, that can pinch hit as Ruckman. So I don't know if we'll see Liam Reedy at uh, top level this year. We did see Paddy Voss as well get his first proper run for the Dockers. And he was all right, I thought. He didn't exactly star. And I don't think he'll be in Frio's best 22. But a score of 53, he is another one of those cheap forwards that I keep talking about. It feels like we have a 1,000 of them to pick from and only two backmen. So as a key forward, there's probably others that I'm interested in more. Uh, the other names really, Nat Five, fine, 26 disposals. Quite handball happy in his preseason games. So maybe temper some expectations on what Fifey can score. But the rest of the game was pretty as expected. Cooper Simpson had some bright moments and got to play the majority of a full game for Frio. I don't know if he's going to be a starter or a lock for round one. Jeremy Sharp had a solid outing, kicked a snag late, had 10 touches, but didn't really light the world on fire from a fantasy scoring perspective. And that just continues to preach the fact that these outside wingman types aren't exactly the players we want to target. If you're looking at Port Adelaide's Ruckman, Jordan Sweet, he managed to play 43% of the game and score a 51. Ivan Soldo was a few points better from his 60% game time, kicked the first goal of the game. It would be nice if you're looking at a draft tactic to kind of couple those two together. The Sweet and Soldo combo could work out okay, depending on how deep your draft bats. But yeah, nothing really jumped off the page for me from either of those two to justify picking them right away. So as I look through, there's not really anyone else worth talking about. Carl Warner, someone that I like, uh, but I don't think he's going to get a ton of opportunity. Neil Erasmus only had six points from limited game time, similar with Josh Draper who's yet to debut for the Dockers. So there you go. There's the main takeaways from the two preseason games that we saw last night. We will get treated to a couple of other matches today. Obviously, we have Adelaide taking on uh, the West Coast Eagles, Hawthorne clashing with the Dogs, and then tomorrow we get St Kilda and North Melbourne. So I'll try and either tonight or tomorrow morning recap those Saturday games, and then I reckon I'll have to sit down with JLO because it's been too long since the big man's on the mic and maybe we'll recap the St Kilda North game and talk all through the ripple effects of the fantasy preseason. But as always, appreciate you listening to this episode. I'll catch you next time.